Blog Talk Radio. Failed. 
which led to wide-ranging criticism of the organization, especially from black Baptists. And this thing goes on and on and on. But basically, the problem that you have is white Baptists are racists, and that's pretty common knowledge. You know what I mean? Don't you think? I don't really know any Baptists, to tell you the truth. But I guess there are a lot no. of Baptists in the South. I, I know I've never really known anybody who was Jeff a Sessions is a Baptist, mm. so... But living, you, that's, I've lived, all, that's all you got to know. <laughs> I've lived in New England my whole life, and you don't run into too many. Yeah, they're around. But there's a majority, apparently, in the South. Well, U.S. Supreme Court says no new license is necessary for a drive to drive automobiles on a public land. That good? Some weird change. I thought that was interesting. On public roads. Yeah. The U.S. Supreme Court and other high court citations proving that no license is necessary for your normal use of an automobile on common ways, and they can't give you a ticket? I guess not. The right of criticism to travel upon of a the... citizen. Yeah, to travel upon the public highways and to transport his property thereon by horse-drawn carriage, wagon, or automobile is not a mere privilege which may be permitted or prohibited at will, but a common right which he has under the right to life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. Under congressional constitutional guarantee, one way. Therefore, one may, therefore, under normal um, conditions, travel at his inclination along the public highways or in public places, and while conducting himself in an orderly and decent manner, neither interfering with or disturbing another's rights. He will be protected not only in his person, but in his safe conduct. Hmm. Well, Thompson versus Smith, um, 154 SE 579, 11, American Jurisprudence Common Law, Section 329, page 1135, the right of the citizen to travel upon the public highways and to transport his property thereon in the ordinary course of life and business is a common right, which he has under the right to enjoy life and liberty to accept. Well, I just read that piece. Yeah, well, I repeated that. This is what the law says. Well, so, and uh, the right of a citizen to drive on a public street with freedom from public interference is fundamental. You can't run. How the hell can a guy drive without a freaking license on an uninsured license under on, on a common street? Huh? You well, know, apparently there citizens have a right to drive upon his public streets of the District of Columbia or any other city absent a constitutionally sound reason for limiting their access. The guy is goddamn illegal. They don't have a liberal license. They're uninsured, but yet they can drive on, on a public street anywhere they want, you know, according to this goddamn Supreme Court. All right, uh, all right. Well, Kanisha Mills versus D.C. 209, the use of automobile as a necessary adjunct to the earning of a livelihood in modern life requires us in an interest of realism to conclude that the right to use an automobile on the public eye partakes in... What the hell's wrong with a bus? All right? You know? I, what what is, are you is, talking about? Well, they, they're, this, the Supreme Courts are allowing everybody to it drive. They didn't say that. They, they just must... said it, Lila, right there. They just said it. You can drive yeah, on a... Yeah, but how street. many people are going to be able to do that if you don't have a license here around? Anybody who can 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 drive a car or even doesn't, well, doesn't need a license anymore. In practice, it doesn't happen, does it? But that's what they're saying, and there's plenty but of... But it's not happening. It is happening. It's happening everywhere, and they just allowed it again to happen. People are driving without licenses everywhere. They're illegal aliens. And, you know, 
if you drove without a license, you would uh, be in jail. You would be in jail. You'd be you'd be fine. But if you happen to be an illegal, you'd probably get away with it. Hey, I don't get it. Oh, yeah, hey, you know, give me a break. Jesus. Oh, this guy is such a piece of work. Trump says he's a sports slashing Social Security from a moral standpoint. A oh. moral standpoint. Well, he probably slashes it and goes into his pocket. Well, he's an asshole. I mean, the guy, the guy, the guy is a crank. The guy's a nut, and 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 you know, he's just a nut. He's a he's a Jesus. Social Security has been called the third rail of American politics. Touch it and you die. And if that is indeed the case, then Donald Trump might want to start picking out a nice casket. Bloomberg is, uh, I'm reading this. By the way, this is not my words. These are from the Liberal America Saving the USA, okay, uh, website. So if anybody has any problems with it, you know, good stuff. All right? All right? I'm not no, reading have, it myself. You know, because no, some guys, they just shut up about right, the Republicans. All right, Leo, just be quiet. They have you know? to complain to that web, to that uh, outlet, Yeah, complain to that. I'm reading it. So, you know, screw you guys. Okay. You don't know if anybody's going to complain. They haven't complained If they yet. do, forget about it. I don't care. You know, because, I I, you know, so forget about it. People always complain, Lana. They complain to everybody about anything. And, you know, and you know, you know, we've had so many people complain about our show. It's ridiculous. You know that. Boomer right? is reporting that when the GOP nominee met with Paul Ryan on May 12th, he, he told the House Speaker that he doesn't indeed favor cutting Social Security taxes, but he's afraid to say so publicly because it would doom his chances in November. Bloomberg cites an unnamed source who was in the room when the meeting was held. Yeah, right. Okay. According to the source, Trump told Ryan, from a moral standpoint, I believe it, but you also have to get elected, and there's no way a Republican is going to beat a Democrat when the Republican is saying, we're going to cut your Social Security and the Democrat is, going to, is, is saying, we're going to give it and give you more. This is in stark contrast to what Trump has repeatedly said on the campaign trail. Trump said time and time again he would leave Social Security alone. Trump is a liar. There's no question about it. Alex, Alex Lawson, executive director of Social Security Works, believes the real intent of Trump is the same as that of most Republicans drastically cutting benefits while pretending to support the program. It is really clear Donald Trump would 100% go along with the Republican donor class portion of cutting Social Security. He openly says he will lie to the people about it because he knows that the people are against it. In his eyes, the moral thing to do is to steal people's hard-earned benefits and not talk about it. Donald Trump is a crook. And as we have seen repeatedly during the 216-elect campaign, Trump lies about everything, reverses his positions on issues by the hour, and often seems to be utterly lost when asked for specifics about various policy questions. The man is an idiot. He is also an, a danger to every essence of American democracy. I mean, this is this. Now, you know, I agree with this guy 100%. This was written by Anonymous, probably. <laughs> for liberal America but Andrew Bradford okay wrote this on May 29th and this is even before he, he, he came up with this with this nightmare of slashing things so 
or whatever. Um, outsourcing chicken wings. Welcome to America, man. I mean, one billion pounds of rat meat is sold as boneless chicken wings in the U.S. That is freaking unbelievable, folks. It's one thing for a single restaurant to be caught using questionable meat in their food. But when the FDA becomes worried that there is an estimated 300,000 pounds of fake rat meat being disguised as chicken wings, then you know things are truly scary. Not only are they saying that these are being sold in restaurants, but also in grocery stores. It, it all started with illegal containers from China that were seized by customs in the San Francisco. The meat intercepted was intended to be shuttled, shuttled, shuffled, uh, shuttled off to different processing plants, processing uh, across the state. And we told as chicken, uh, sold as chicken, and turned it. Turns out it was actually rat origin. Now this was hundreds of thousands of pounds discovered, and an estimated 300,000 pounds of rat that was discovered. May well be, may very well be circulating, and likely could have ended up on many Super Bowl Sunday snack plates. FDA Inspector Ronald Jones talks about the increased surge in chicken wings during the popular sporting event. This is back in February, folks. But you know, uh, they were importing uh, chicken wings back then. Uh, it's pretty sick stuff. Pretty very sick. So. Ah, this guy lost all, lost all, lost everything.
says, I believe it would be unwise for Congress to restrict the discretion of the Department to fund discretion, particular prosecutions, particularly in the midst of an historic drug epidemic and potentially long-term uptick in violent crime. Session wrote in a May letter to congressional leaders that was obtained Monday by marijuana legislation, uh, legislation advocate Tom Engel. Its authenticity was confirmed Tuesday by the Washington Post. At one point in the letter, Session cites a, a recent Chicago case, uh, Colorado case, where le, uh, licensed mar medical marijuana distributors were caught moving cannabis out of the state. But those people have been d indicted and face criminal charges in the state, undermining Sessions' argument that the case necessitates federal assistance. Congress has been restricting the um, discretion in Sessions' word of federal law enforcement to hammer medical weed for three years. Uh, Representative General, General Rohrberg of Republican California and Democrat Sam Farr of Democratic California led a successful bipartisan push to attack attached language to congressional budget prohibiting the Department of Justice from going after medical and cannabis, the states which have made the, legal, the treatment legal. Sessions invokes the opioid epidemic as a reason for sh to shred the bipartisan con consensus that medical marijuana ought to be left alone. But that is backwards, because research indicates that medical cannabis is a valuable source in the fight against what waves of, addi of addiction and fatalities lie tied to heroin and its pharmaceutical cousins. In states where medical weed is legal, the average doctor prescribes 1,826 fewer doses of prescription painkillers each year. Economic David Bra uh, found, Bradford found in research published last summer in Health Affairs that translates into many millions of those fewer doses less in those states. Science noted uh, similar research from University of Michigan doctors found a potential 64% decrease in opioid use among patients who are prescribed cannabis. While the existing research is promising, finding the, retain, the remain limited Findings remain limited in parts, uh, large parts because the abolitionist prohibitors, prohibitions Sessions so adores in federal policy have made it all but impossible to conduct broad, thorough scientific research on cannabis for decades. But even if the eye-popping hard evidence against uh, Sessions' proposal is limited in scale, it's not hard to guess which class of pain medication proposes the greater health risk. Opioid and heroin overdoses killed tens of thousands of Americans per year. Zero people have died on a marijuana overdose ever. And making it harder to get medical pot is part in states where lawmakers and voters have made it available will necessarily push more pain patients into rocky paths of prescription drug use. It's, I mean, this guy, this guy is one freaking Neanderthal. Sessions' desire to keep the rollback of Far Amendment off this year's budget is predictable. The Attorney General is an ardent drug warrior who once lamented in 216 that uh, hearing that state legislation has undone decades of popular uh, public effort to send that message with, with clarity that good people don't smoke marijuana. And decades earlier in his public service career, Sessions allegedly joked that he didn't think the Ku Klux Klan were so bad until I found out they smoked pot. This, you know, Jeff Sessions is an idiot. He's a complete, absolute freaking moron.
okay. And may may he yeah may 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 he spend the rest of his years babbling, you know, and holding uh, holding Trump's dick. Okay. In the intervening years, Sessions was a relentless uh, opponent of any effort to relax laws around pot, either the state or federal level. His nomination as Attorney General was widely uh, expected to herald a reversal of years of waiting and waiting to see federal enforcement, populist efforts in the state. But until this week, it was less clear of Sessions' pot crusade would also extend the medical flowers, pills, ointments, and edibles. It will unless Congress stops him. I hope Congress not only stops him, but impeaches the son of a bitch along with his boss. Right? These guys, these guys have no, no, no right, no right whatsoever to be in Congress. They have no rights whatsoever to well legislation. They are criminals, absolute criminals. Perhaps, you know, during his first ever cabinet meeting with the White House, Trump claimed that there was never a president who passed more legislation and who has done more things. He then had his cabinet secretary uh, take turns appraising him and his agenda. I mean, this is really serious, folks. I mean, this guy is such uh, an autocratic son of a bitch. I am so, so sorry that I ever once felt that this guy could possibly be better than anybody. I, I, I just, you know, I, I felt, I feel so embarrassed that this, this moron from hell could be our president. But Republic, President Trump said Monday that he has accomplished more than any other president aside from Franklin Roosevelt during his first six months in office. He's accomplished absolutely nothing. Okay. Never has there been a president, this is he's saying, with few exceptions, case of FDR, he had a major depression to handle. We have this plan to go to the hottest place on earth. I'm sorry, I, gotta, I, I have to, I have to get rid of this. I hate these friggin' ads. They just pop up from nowhere. They should be criminalized. No. But anyway. Um. I don't think it's going to happen. You know, they want to... You know, there's so much in the world that is so... uh, You're censored by everything, folks. Everything. We try to do a show, and our show gets interrupted by everything but ads and pop-up ads and restrictions it's really sad. So, but this, this, these things happen, and we understand that. But before I listen to anybody praising Trump, I'd rather, you know, I'd rather just let it go. New cancer drug is so effective against tumors that the FDA approved it immediately. Must have been by Monsanto or Bear. They don't do that very often. Um, A small but significantly new study A small but significant new study is blowing experts away after it found that a particular 
cancer drug overwhelmingly helped shrink or eradicate tumors in patients whose cancer had resisted every other form of treatment. The study, which was published in the journal Science, followed 86 patients who had advanced cancer of pancreas, prostate, uterus, or bone. And the patients were given um, advanced uh, pembrolizumab, whatever that is, which also goes by the name brand of Ketruja, Ketruda, and the results were very promising. Six pa- 66 patients had tumors that shrank significantly and stabilized among them were 18 patients with tumors disappeared and haven't returned. But the patients uh, all carried genetic mutations that kept their cells from fix, fixing damaged DNA. Um, this drug, uh, an emerging type of immunotherapy drug, it helped the immune system find cancer cells and attack tumors. Uh, the study was small and there was no control group. Isn't that interesting? They approved this goddamn thing that, you know, who the hell knows if it works or not. But the study was small and there was no control group. A group that, um, but the results were so striking, yeah, that the FDA had already approved uh, Pembrolizumab, Pembrolizumab for patients whose cancer comes from its, this particular genetic abnormality. According to the New York Times, this is the first time a drug has been approved for use against tumors that share a particular genetic profile, regardless of where they appear in their body. Dr. Jack Jakub, a medical oncologist and doctor of thoracic oncology at Memorial Care Cancer Institute. Oh, man, these guys give themselves freaking 300 you know, the titles, the Orange Memorial Medical of Holland Valley, and other, you know, Jesus Christ, you know, this is ridiculous, a guy needs 52,000 accolades to his name, but uh, saying that, you know, this one drug, you know, thing, uh, got approved, whether it works or not, they say it does, but who the hell knows, you know, who, who the hell really knows, nobody, so, Okay, so isn't that wonderful? So if you hear about K. Truda, you got a question, right? I thought this was so funny because England, uh, English people are ready to show their love and respect for Trump during his visit to England in August of 2017. Okay, they're standing there. <laughs> The Brightons plan a mass mooting for Trump's Trump's visit. I I, I just love this thought. Yeah, of a million, maybe a million Brightons. Your country needs you. Show your rump to Trump. I love it. A number of posts are being shared on social media with the hashtag Show Your Rump to Trump in a wake of Mr. Trump's controversial comments on the recent London Bridge terror attack. Pathetic excuse by London Mayor. Saku, Saki Sadiq Khan, who had to think fast on his uh, no reason to be alarmed statement, MSM is working hard to sell it, and Mr. Trump tweeted in the aftermath of the attack. He previously used the, the attack to justify his proposed travel plan on Muslims and uh, so on. But it looks like it looks like uh, England is planning a massive moon attack to Trump's visit. 
she'll be hysterical. She'll really be the full Monty, if you remember the full Monty. Yeah. So, you know, I thought that was funny. I thought that was funny. This was really interesting, and I think I think I, I'll play this for you. It's only a few minutes long, but it's um, Senator Claire McCaskill of um, stating what's happening is the Senate, Senate the Senate Republicans are hiding their bills and and not presenting them to to the uh, to the Democrats on the on the committee. Okay, and they're trying to pass them without without even Democrats knowing about it. And she's, she talks about this, and I, I think I'll play that because it's very important to hear this. So my first question that I would make of the chair is, will we have a hearing on the health care proposal? Will we? Yes. No, I mean on the proposal that you're planning to bring to the floor of the Senate for a vote. Will there be a hearing? Bill. 
as did other members of this committee. I want that opportunity. Give me that opportunity. Give me an opportunity to work with you. That's what is so discouraging about this process. Huh. And that was uh, Senator uh, McCaskill, you know, explaining that uh, that's been that's had over a million views. Turns out, you know, Trump is so stupid, man. He scares the hell out of you how stupid this guy is. Trump may not have known that the U.S. has 11,000 troops in Qatar when he bashed the country on Twitter. Donald Trump may not have known that Qatar is home to the biggest U.S. military base in the Middle East when he praised Gulf nations for severing their ties with Qatar. I mean, what a freaking moron. Um... Um, Donald Trump says Donald Trump says may not have known that Qatar is the home of the biggest U.S. military base in the Middle East when he praised Gulf nations for severing diplomatic relations with a with a nation. MSNBC said. Brian Williams says a source tells him that they're not sure Trump knew there were American stations in Qatar. Trump on Monday. Praised the decision of the Saudi Arabia and the United Arab Emirates, Bahrain, Egypt, Yemen, Libya, and the Maldives to cut off ties with Doha, uh, a move reportedly spoke, sparked by a fake news story Qatar officials have emphatically denied. The president appeared to champion the severed diplomatic ties in a series of tweets on Tuesday. During my, recent, during my recent trip to the Middle East, I stated that there can no longer be funding of radical ideology leaders pointing to Qatar. Uh, look, and he says, and then he, the, the guy, this guy should be shot. I mean, not, not shot. I mean, he just should be, you know, impeached. Get him the hell out of this. You know, God, he, this guy is so, so, so unbelievable. So so good to see the Saudi Arabia visit with the king and 50 countries already paying off. They said they would take a hard line on funding extreme uh, terrorism. <laughs> the guy is a joke. He gave Ivanka a million, hundred million dollars. The Saudis gave him them for a hundred million for a female, whatever, you know, and uh, a foundation, and 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 and. He just sold $110 billion worth of weapons to Saudi Arabia. I mean, a guy is just one piece of work. I mean, he's just one incredible piece of damn work, okay? I God almighty, God almighty. I'm sorry, folks. Um, Lila uh, uh, is with us right now. She, she took a little ill. So we'll be um, doing the... Uh, Show. Oh, a friend of mine, Ann Garrison, a reporter and journalist, said, uh, making a groovy green product isn't necessarily any better for assembling line workers. And she sent me this uh, thing on SoundCloud.com. It says, Tesla worker injuries double national average. Can you imagine that? Tesla's supposed to be the, the all 
Director of WorkSafe. He's looked at data from OSHA, the Occupational Safety and Health Administration, and the Bureau of Labor Statistics, and Tesla's own reports to OSHA for the last three years. In 2015, Tesla had the equivalent of 8.8 .8 injuries per 100 workers. That's 31% higher than the industry rate for automobile manufacturing. The 31% figure is for all recorded job injuries, including handing out Band-Aids and aspirin. For more serious injuries, the rate is much higher. Injuries that result in missed work days, restrictions on work duties, or transfers. In other words, the kind of injuries that prevent a worker from doing their regularly assigned job are more than double the industry-wide rate. Parker said that as high as 65% of the injuries appear to be from the stress of repetitive motion, doing the same task over and over again hundreds of times a day. Alan Ochoa, an assembly line worker at Tesla since 2014, has been on medical leave for almost a year because of carpal tunnel syndrome, inflammation of nerves in the wrist due to stressful repetitive motions. His job included installing door panels and handles. I asked Ochoa what kind of safety training he was given prior to becoming injured. I did not really see any safety training. No safety training at all? No. Another Tesla assembly line worker, Charlotte Breezy, had a similar experience. Yeah, there's not a whole lot of training that goes into a vacation. They have someone watching over you, showing you how to do it a couple times, and then they put you on it, and they watch you do it a couple times, and then they leave. Ochoa told me he developed severe gastric pain one morning while working on the assembly line. He said his supervisor's response was typical of the company's attitude towards workers who got sick. I asked the supervisor, I need to go to the hospital because something is completely wrong. And his response was, can I wait till lunch? And then he gives me a box and a bag to throw up in. A, a box of what? A, an empty box with a plastic bag to throw up in. A Tesla spokesperson says that the company has dramatically reduced injuries this year by reducing overtime, making ergonomic improvements, and increasing safety training. Tesla says the changes have collectively led to a 52% reduction in lost time incidents and a 30% reduction in recordable incidents from the first quarter of 2016 to the first quarter of 2017. We are now significantly better than industry average, and we continue to improve each day, the company claims. But Doug Parker is not convinced by Tesla's claims. We're just not confident about Tesla's numbers without having more information about how and why Tesla's numbers changed so significantly between what they told workers in February and what they told workers in May. Parker says that much of the data could be understating the real injury rate because workers are often afraid to report injuries for fear they'll be fired or held back from advancement. Alan Ochoa said that this attitude is common on the Tesla assembly line. They're afraid of being fired because if they say something, they don't want to be labeled as a complainer and they don't want to look bad to the supervisors. So they could fire you without warning and they don't have to give you the reason why they fired you. I asked Parker what advice he would give to a new worker starting a job in the Tesla plant. I would say demand that your supervisor make sure that you get adequate health and safety training, that you are trained thoroughly on whatever equipment that you are assigned to work on, 
and that you promptly report any injuries that you received and report any hazards that you see in the plant. But he said that safety is ultimately up to the boss. That is the employer's responsibility, and that's why I would encourage the worker to bring it up with the supervisor uh, you know, and demand that something be done about it, or demand preferably uh, with other, other employees banded together, demand that, demand that something be done about it, because it's up to the employer to address those kinds of problems. Tesla workers have formed a union organizing committee and have joined with the United Auto Workers to try to bring union representation to the Fremont factory. UAW has a strong history of stressing worker safety, including education and joint labor management safety committees. Safety will almost certainly be one of the key issues as Tesla workers decide whether to try to unionize their workplace. This is Tom Harriman for Pacifica Evening News, KPFA. On June 16th through 18th, the United National Anti-War Coalition, UNAC, will hold its annual conference under the... Doug Parker is a lawyer, and for the last three years, they demand that your supervisor make certainly be one of a. On June, on June 16th through 18th, the United National Anti-War Coalition (UNAC) will hold the annual Doug Parker is a lawyer and executive director of Works, the occupational safety. Yeah, thank God. All right. So anyway, that was uh, from uh, 94.1 FM Berkeley. But it was a very interesting that Tesla had so many problems with work safety. Wow. I mean, you wouldn't think Tesla, which was uh, electric cars, you know, would have that problem. There's something else that's interesting. All signs point to a corporate takeover of the bear has sealed a deal with Monsanto purchasing the seed rights. I'm going to play this back because this is really kind of, kind of significant for anybody who's, who is concerned about marijuana rights at all. Uh, this is quite, quite important. All signs point to a corporate takeover of the marijuana industry by Bear and Monsanto. Bear, Bear has sealed the deal with Monsanto, purchasing the seed giant from 60, for $66 billion. So in other words, Bear is going to buy out Monsanto. Right, for $66 billion. Some are predicting that the merger could mean a takeover of the marijuana industry.
This is from Natural News. I, it's pretty it's pretty scary that Monsanto and Bear could could control everything. It's really really frightening. Here's something that I I believe is true. Um, Trump is making America more hostile and mentally ill. A New England Journal of Medicine. A new study suggests that the 2016 election has taken a steep toll on our physical and psychological uh, well-being health. Uh, This is from uh, the the New England Journal of Medicine. A new review paper published in the New England Journal of Medicine uh, reports that a growing body of empirical evidence shows how presidential elections can have effects on physical and mental health and can influence behavior. Significantly, they found evidence that suggests that the campaign and subsequent election of Donald Trump has had a negative effect on mental well on the mental well-being of Americans, and in particular those marginalized groups who are vulnerable to discrimination. According to lead author David R. Williams of Harvard University, elections may matter to the health of children and adults in profound ways that are often unrecognized and unaddressed. In the article, the authors summarized uh, specific studies to support their claim and provide potential solutions to the Trump-induced negative health effects. Empirical Empirical evidence has documented how campaigns that give a voice to the marginalized can have uh, positive effects on health, at least in the short term. And notable examples include heightened psychological well-being and self-esteem among South Africans during Nelson Mandela's 1994 election, among black Americans during Jesse Jackson's 1988 presidential campaign, and among minorities when uh, Barack Obama was elected president in 2008. But President Obama and Jesse Jackson famously ran on campaigns of hope and unity. It is no secret that Donald Trump ran on a message of fear and revenge. Fear of Muslims and minorities and revenge against uh, Washington's establishment that they believe is responsible for all the hardships the country is facing, from terror to health care to the economy. Understanding the negative effects of such a psychologically uh, centered campaign is of great interest. And seeing as how Donald Trump and his White House staff continue to use the same tactics to keep their political base riled up and engaged. By observing the news behavior on social media or out in public, it is easy to see the hostility towards minorities, especially with Muslims and Mexican immigrations, uh, has increased since Donald Trump emerged on the political scene. While this may be obvious, it is important to have empirical data to clarify and quantify this aggression and its effect on health. In a recent survey study in a massive sampling size of 2,000 elementary and high school teachers, um, over half of respondents reported that since the 2016 campaign began, they have observed an increase in racial and ethnic slurs and general hostility among students. 67% of these teachers said that the students who were immigrants children of immigrants or Muslims felt fear and worry over how they or their family might be treated after the election. Furthermore, a study, a separate study of the Southern Poverty Law Center has reported a growing number of incidents of harassment and intimidation since Trump's election, with most of theirs occurring in public schools. There is no doubt 
that this increased hostility would have measurable emotional effects on those affected by it. But a national survey study conducted by the American Psychological Association in January 2017 found that minorities, 69% of blacks, 57% of Asians, 56% of Hispanics, as well as Democrats compared to Republicans, reported that the outcome of the 2016 presidential election was a significant source of stress. Additionally, two-thirds of all adults in the U.S. said they were stressed out by the future of the country. That's pretty sad. And the review article also makes it clear that these effects on psychological well-being have real effects on physical health and mortality. In August 2016, a study conducted by USC Berkeley uh, that surveyed 1,836 U.S. counties found that there was an elevated risk of death from heart disease among both white and black residents in areas where there was high prejudice with a particularly strong effect among blacks. In 2006, a study at the University of Chicago, which assessed births of outcomes, uh, birth outcomes among females of various racial and ethnic groups in California, showed that six months after 9-11, when hostilities toward Arab Americans was intense, there was a significant increase in low birth weight babies and premature births among Arab American women. Given the recent, uh, the present increase in hostility toward Muslims, one might expect to see similar trends today. The uh, authors also describe uh, negative health effects may occur from distress over the threat of repeal of the Affordable Health Care Act, which could make medical treatment and prescriptions inaccessible to many Americans, especially those in poor and marginalized populations. Studies conducted after similar cuts were made early in the Reagan administration showed increases in chronic diseases among adults, infant mortality, preventable childhood diseases. However, the review article isn't all doom and gloom. The authors make a number of suggestions for healthcare providers that can alleviate the negative effects of Trump's presidency. For example, clinicians could be particularly aware of the mental distress that their minority patients might be experiencing in the wake of the election and should offer special attention and care in addressing their needs, appropriate psychotherapy or medication. They also suggest that healthcare professionals become more involved in the community and the overall political discussion so that they can help foster a positive environment and stimulate uh, research that could provide effective methods for reducing the Trump-induced adverse effects on health. Bobby Azarian, a freelance writer with a Ph.D. in neuroscience, his research has been published in journals such as Cognition and Emotion and Human Brain Mapping, and he has written for Atlantic Monthly, New York Times, blah, 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 all these guys. So he's, he's a pretty well-known guy, uh, the guy who wrote this, uh, this article. And uh, it's, it's fascinating. I, I thought it was fascinating. I don't know if you did, but I do. Yeah, I just can't stand this guy. I really can't. Yeah. I pity that this guy went nuts. He just went nuts, you know. That's sad. Went nuts, shot people up. That's what happens with people. I mean, they're just, I, I don't know what the hell 
But anyway, let's move on a little bit. I still got a few minutes left. Um, oh, this was really, really interesting. I didn't, I didn't really follow this too well, but on June tenth, this came out and um, says that uh, Israeli chief rabbis endorse ethnic cleansing and Palestinian servitude. I mean, you, you got people like this running the show in Israel. I mean, my God. I mean, what kind of crazy-ass place is Israel? The Israeli chief Sephardic rabbi, Yisak Yosef, told a gathering of followers that non-Jews should be expelled from Israel. The only exception, he said, would be in the case of non-Jews who accepted the seven Noahide laws. The the rabbi's um, intent is to expel the largest non-Jewish population in Israel, Palestinian Arabs. He also said that those non-Jews who did accept the Noahide laws and remained in, in the Israel would primarily serve Jews, and their role would be akin to slaves and servants in colonial regimes. The chief rabbi acknowledged that Israel was currently not in a position to execute this plan, but primarily because of the resistance to it from the non-Jewish world. However, he said that in the name of the Messiah, Israel would be in a position to implement this plan. And he looked forward to the Messianic messianic era with with great joy and anticipation. So for, for Israel, the eradication of all Arabs and anybody but Jews is the apocalyptic end and the beginning, you know. I've got an issue here, folks. Sorry about that. But we surely do. Hey, uh, just wanted to shout out to uh, anybody who liked Adam West. Uh, you know, poor guy died at 88 uh, the other day. Sorry to hear about that. He was great. Great, great guy. Adam West. Who can forget Adam West and Batman? Yeah. Oh, one more thing. Uh, 20 million Muslims march against ISIS, and the mainstream media completely ignored it. This this was amazing to me. I, I it, it but it but it proved to me what what how out of you know any sense of uh, of national reality uh, we are. Okay. In one of the largest organized marches in the history of the world, tens of millions of Shia Muslims made an incredible, heartening statement by risking their lives to travel through war-stricken areas to openly defy ISIS. This massive event that would have undoubtedly helped to ease tensions in the West was among was almost entirely ignored by the corporate media. Women, men, elderly, and children made their way to the city of Karbala in Sunday, on Sunday and Monday last week to the holy day of Arbian. Arbian. Arbian is the event which marks the end of the 40-day mourning period following Ashra, the religious ritual which commemorates the death of the Prophet Muhammad's grandson, Iman Husan, in 1680. As the independent reports... Um, massive crowds 
paid homage to the shrine of Iman Hassan Hussein and his brothers, um, and were uh, where they were killed in a revolt against uh, the ruler Yazid in the seventh century, and they refused to pledge allegiance to whatever Yazid. Um, this goes on and on, and on, but this is a very very long article and gives the history of this revolution thing, but. I mean, it's beyond me that 20 million people, Muslims, would march against Islam and nobody would cover it in the West. It's kind of weird. Oh, oh well. Oh, yeah, one last thing. Very frightening. Um... Well, everyone was obsessing um, over Comey. Republicans passed a bill to kill the Dodd Frank. To kill Dodd Frank, yeah. Happy Comey Testimony Day on Thursday. People all across the country dropped what they were doing to devote their several hours to watch a uh, Senate hearing. Of course, this was not the typical C-SPAN affair, but the first opportunity to hear from one of and only James Comey was fired last month after allegedly failing to comply with Donald Trump's Valentine request to let this go. All right. But what they did is they pushed through the uh, you know, repeal of the Dodd Frank laws. And um, that's not a good uh, that's not a good thing. So anyway, happy days there again. All right. Oh, one more thing to end the show. Unprecedented lawsuit could end the water fluoridation in the US. I was so pleased to hear that. I was so happy to hear that. Um, yeah. Uh, unprecedented lawsuit could end water fluoridation in the U.S. based on neurotoxicity studies. Florida Action Network is among a coalition of environmental, medical, and health groups suing the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency to ban artificial water fluoridation. All right. The EPA has served as a petition that includes more than 2,500 pages of scientific documentation detailing the risk of water fluoridation. All right. The new qualified the news the study qualifies fluoride fluoride's potential to lower IQ in children. There are now over 100 animal studies that went over 50 human studies providing fluoride's toxicity, prompting the U.S. government to fund new studies. The Fluoride Action Network along with a coalition of, of environmental and public health groups, has filed a complaint in the U.S. Uh, court for the non-district of California against the U.S. potential environmental potential agencies in response to their denial of our petition um, and toxic substances control seeking a ban on water fluoridation. We believe this lawsuit is an unprecedented opportunity to end the practice once and for all in our U.S and potentially throughout the world, based on well-documented neurotoxicity of fluoride. You may read the official complaint here, according to FAN's attorney and advisor, uh, Michael Connick. Um, so I believe, I firmly believe, that fluoride is a poison. It's also the main ingredient in Prozac, all right? So, you know, I'll get it from there, right? But um, anyway, I want to thank everybody. I want to thank everybody for uh, joining me tonight.
Um, I'm going to read this first before I leave tonight. It's about James Hodgkinson. He just, uh, you know, passed away today after shooting four Republicans. Um, James T. Hopkins was a misguided, foolish, progressive liberal who believed in a Bernie Sanders but forgot the primary was fixed for Hillary. Bernie Sanders betrayed him by endorsing Hillary because he was never meant to win the Democratic nomination. Hodgkinson, devoted to Democrats and Bernie Sanders, was completely misplaced as was the support and belief of every Bernie supporter. Progressives will care little about the victims of James Hodgkinson because he represents their views and sympathies. If a Trump supporter shot up a Democratic baseball baseball team, the liberal media would demand that all Trump supporters be arrested. Being real isn't something the left has been good at doing lately. Death is real. Everyone believes that. The assault against the Republican baseball team may be an omen of something far worse that will set this country against all politicians. I do not advocate any violence against anyone, but for the left's constant voice of nonviolence, suddenly has become a murderous movement financially backed by traitors, men, women, and governments. If the left or right learns anything from the mad assaults of James Hodgkinson, it is to remain nonviolent in its protest. And I'll end with that statement tonight. I wish you a good evening. And uh, sorry that Lila couldn't finish out the show with us tonight, but uh, she wasn't able to. So, um, But anyway, have a good evening, and uh, good night, everybody. Mm-hmm.